Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I think we've decanted for long enough. It's time to sit back and enjoy Two Sharp Reds with Mark Schwarzer and Ollie Geel. Welcome back to another episode of the Two Sharp Reds. We've had a week off. We're all feeling incredibly refreshed and excited to be back in action. With myself, Ollie Geel, of course, Australia's third favourite son, Mark Schwarzer. And Mark, uh, we've got a special guest today and I'll leave you to do uh, the proper introduction. But we are with the ex-shirt-pulling, elbowing, body-checking, Premier League winning mother effer, Robert Huth. Nice, nicely put. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen, what can I say? Um, pleasure to be here, Rob. Um, for me. Finally, you've actually turned up to an event, which is yeah. great. Because I've been pestering you all day, haven't I? 50 50%, 50% rate of yeah, success. Exactly. Anyway, looking forward to it, mate. I haven't seen you for a while. Yeah, well, you're looking you trimmer than I thought you would be. Well, give it, give it another year. <laughs> <laughs> give it another year of time and then I give it a go. A few more podcast with you. Few more red wines I, I think we that. can organise that. Yeah. I, I think he's actually that's an offer, isn't it? Oh, I think it's yeah. I, yeah. You know how seriously I take that sort of stuff. I write that down in the diary, and it's locked in, and it's it stays on, yeah. there until it happens. Uh, Robert, what's your relationship with red wine? Are you a fan? Not a fan? A very strong one. Yeah. Really? Yeah, unbreakable one almost. <laughs> yeah, no, always. You know, since I've been legal, I suppose, uh, enjoyed a glass of red wine. Yeah. When have you been legal? 16, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I think it's something you grow, grow up with, isn't it? Like, maybe not when you're younger, you sort of don't really like it, but as you get older, it's nice, isn't it? Fire on, watch a bit of footy, a bit of TV, nice bit of socialising. So, Mark, what are we going for today? So, we're, we're here in Manchester, in, in underground of Manchester, pretty much. I mean, Rob, you said as soon as you got here, how the hell have you found this place? Well, you didn't answer me. Yeah, I don't know. I can't. <laughs> I'm legally not allowed to say, but we are in Corbeers, in the underground of Manchester, and Mark, what are we drinking today? Let's just mention as well, you had to go and find out how to pronounce that. Yeah, well, um, not very cultured. As I go into trying to pronounce this bottle of yeah. wine that we have. So it's a, um, it's a Morano Crianza 2016 Rioja. Wow. No, Thoughts on the pronunciation? I've done really well, oh, it's, my it's a good year. It's a definitely it's a great year. Is it? <laughs> a good year. year, it is too. Yeah, it really is a good, good year. Yeah. So it's one of your, one of your Did you three titles, isn't it? Yeah, did you randomly just pick it? Or Actually, was there any sort of correct. Ollie, research? I think, I think you need to work this, well, normally, this one. Normally, the rule normally would be is I, I generally will pick an Australian wine. Yeah. Mark would then uh, pick a wine, say if he's been away, if he was in France, he'd pick a French wine or Spain, he'd pick a Spanish wine. Uh, we wanted to pick a German wine, but I don't think they do red wine at no, all <laughs> for not you. Very good, no. uh, so it was as simple as asking the bartender, what's your favourite red wine? And then, and then here we are. I like the sound of that, eh? Oh. <laughs> So just reminding our listeners, of course, if you are tuning in for the first time here in the Two Sharp Reds, we'll try a bottle of, of uh, sharp, sharp red wine. And then towards the end, we will uh, try and compare this red to a player, uh, past or present. Have you got any idea, Rob, how you're going to do that? Because we still haven't figured it out. Well, I'm thinking the more glasses I have, the easier it becomes. So <laughs> that's, that's my tactic for, the, for today. Cheers. Oh, cheers. Cheers. Go. cheers. Mark, your initial thoughts? Yep, quite bold. Yep. 
um, quite um, quite intense, like a Rioja, really. I mean, it's a Crianza as well, so it's not as uh, not as strong as they can be, but it's 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 nice. Robert, nice. is it doing anything for you? Because you know, Mark's a bit lighter. I like a, a a Shiraz. Is this the sort of wine you might go for? Possibly not. Quite like a strong one, you know, red teeth. Yep. Got fifteen percent. That's all stuff. <laughs> Good value for money. Um, but that was nice. Nice start. Quite soury. Really. Okay, yeah, good. That might Keep be that in mind. That might be a bit of a clue could, as to where we're heading. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm just trying to think of words. <laughs> Make me sound clever. I I think of any. <laughs> it's actually more difficult than you think, isn't it? When yeah. you actually take a drink, take yeah. a sip, and you Sour. go, Ashley, how do I explain this? How do I describe what this tastes like? Now, I suppose, guys, we could probably start uh, at any number of places, but I guess... Start with, with your relationship. You both played at, at two clubs. Of course, you've both got a, a German background, whether or not, you know, obviously, Mike, you play for Australia, but of course, you've got German heritage as well. So, I guess, Mike, do you want to explain a little bit about your, your relationship and where it started? Well, it's not too serious anymore. I mean, we used to be quite intimate yeah, at one point. I you lost my number. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you direct messaged me on Twitter, I think. <laughs> I may have. No, no, I sent you a WhatsApp. Come on, don't be like that. No, obviously we first met at uh, Middlesbrough when Rob made the, the move up north. I don't think he knew what he was getting himself into when he left beautiful sunny London and came to the northeast. However, I think he fitted in pretty quickly. He moved to the same area as I was living in, in Harrogate. Um, and uh, listen, we had, it was a great time. And for Rob, I think it was, remind me, correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you had problems with your ankle still quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The same me injured. That's right. So I was pretty much struggling for the first year. Yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I... Lofted up there, really good, great time. But um, yeah, that's what the first time I met you, and I thought, how long can you keep going? You know, because <laughs> he was he was 34 then, I think. <laughs> I, I, there, I there's it. And then, like almost yeah. 10 years later, we played together at Leicester again. That's right. He's still going. So if we start back at Middlesbrough, Mark, Mark said a couple of weeks ago that he didn't even need to go to to the city of Middlesbrough, or, or even at the time, see the facilities to know that this was the right next step for you did you feel the same at all when you were going to Middlesbrough well for me the obvious reason was obviously Southgate at the time because he at the time just retired um, he took over the first first team at, um, first team duties so I thought well as a young defender can't get any better than having you know an England defender as your coach um, but as I thought it didn't quite work out the first year um, with injuries and stuff but after that I was pretty happy with, with the way things went but you, did you know where Middlesbrough was Yes. Had you you've been there before, yeah? Yeah, yeah, of course. So you knew what you were getting yourself. I know into. what a map is as well. Like no, I know, but you know, I can well, look on listen, that. the story is Paul Merson signed without even knowing what Middlesbrough is even like. Yeah, but you can get guess that with him, can't you? Yeah, no, no, <laughs> I know, but some people actually do. So for me, I'd never been to Middlesbrough yeah. when I signed for them, but it wasn't about that. It was when I met Brian Robson and Viv Anderson in Manchester here actually here in Manchester. It was pretty straightforward for me. They convinced me about the project, and I was it was easy for me. I I, I, you know, I was clearly in their plans. And it was a great opportunity for me to go and play regular first-team yeah. football in the Premier League um, for however long that was going to be because we were obviously struggling at that time when I signed for him. Um, so it was a simple decision. Yeah. I, I, the, where, the, where it was, the location, uh, it was irrelevant. Yeah, I think if you make a dependent on that, then you're in the wrong game, aren't you? You know, you've got to pick something that you're excited about regardless of where. I mean, if it's a nice place, then of course. But like you said, you sold, they sold you the idea of, you know, of Middlesbrough and you into it which is idea is that quite and, and it's an interesting thing coming from someone who clearly hasn't played professional football but it blows my mind because there's a part of me that thinks if you've got two teams that want you and one is in a preferred area 
but I don't know, let's say you might be offered slightly less money, but it's in a place that you prefer, that that would still swing you? Or does it really not matter? And it literally comes down to the direction of the club and, and where you think you'll play your best football. I think it's depending on your stages in your career, where you're at. You know, if you're a young one, then I'm, I'm guessing you want to buy into the project. And it's completely individual. Some people just want to look at the money and they go where the most money is. Some people want to stay where it's, you know, London is great. You know, it's few of the West Ham players. They're so comfortable in London. They never want to move, don't they? It comes down to individual people, but I always thought a project uh, and a manager. Mm. And that just worked for me. I was the same there. I mean, I was exactly the same. In It was always about the team, the football, the vision of the manager, the owner, whatever it was. And where I fit it, I fitted into that. It didn't matter what stage of career I was at. Um, I, I think the, 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 the location was always a bonus. Mm. So for me, I mean, I, when I left Middlesbrough, I had a chance to go to Fulham, Bayern Munich or, or Juventus. I mean, you, you know, it's, it's, I suppose if you put them all on paper and go, okay, Turin is probably the least nicest place, London, Munich. Munich's a great place, but it was all about football. I just mm. chose the place based on football. And it wasn't even a financial thing. It was all about playing football. And so realistically, you don't have that many choices, do you? When it comes no. to, come to an end of a contract, you've got one or two clubs, haven't you? That it's was, not that like was the most I've ever had. Yeah, yeah, same. I had one. Yeah, and, and yeah, the thing time. was with me, the th- out of the three, there were only one that was where I was going to be signed as number one. The other, one, the other two clubs were as, was clear number twos. It was very, very made, made very, very clear to me yeah. that I wasn't going to yes. be playing. It's not like you're going to have ten clubs lined up and you're going to have a really difficult decision to no. make where to go. <laughs> I, I want to know Bayern, yeah. Barcelona. I, I, I want to know who they are. though. I want to know who those players it's are. It's more of a Stoke, Middlesbrough. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, I think you set out. You wanted to go to Middlesbrough and you wanted to go to That's Stoke. Because you said you know the map. You looked on the map. They're the places there I want to go to. <laughs> Yeah, Google Maps, I found it. So then, I guess, fast forward in, in the timeline of knowing each other, so how did you end up at Leicester? Because a birdie tells me that Mark played a, a pretty strong role in, in you en- ending up there. Well, you had, a, obviously, a relationship with Nigel. Um, and at the time, over Leicester were pretty crap at the time. And um, they just wanted some experience. I mean, as experienced me, and then there's Mark, you know, <laughs> granddad. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, He's called me worse. I'm actually and, uh, with that. I'm happy yeah. with that. And um, no, it's, boy, we obviously spoke before that. Um, Remember when, Stoke, when you came, when Stoke yeah. came to, to Leicester in the hotel, yeah. we caught up and had breakfast. Yeah. And I said to you, you fancy coming here? Because you yeah. weren't playing, you are on the hour. No, I wasn't up. Mark Hughes was there and he wasn't having a bar of you. He was going to let you go, yeah. but he wasn't going to let you. Remember you said to me, he wasn't going to let you go to the Premier League club side. No, and the, the second we played Leicester twice in that season, he went, you can go to Leicester, which I bought not the league. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> of course. Have fun, Rob. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I could have probably stayed at Stoke or gone to like a good championship club, but when I, once I, sp- I spoke to Nigel the night before, I came down and, and sort of met everyone at the club. And same thing, you know, I spoke to him on the phone and it was just easy. He said, oh, I've still got a chance of staying up, I still believe in this group. And it's like, hey, you know what? Why not? Turned out all right, didn't it? Turned out really well, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so at what point, seriously, looking back now, you must have never have thought when you signed for them that you would have ended up doing what what you're able to achieve well no you just don't do it who would have thought it's still today if you talk about and say in in the 2015-16 season Leicester won the Premier League title it still doesn't really make sense and it's difficult for it to Mm. for me I mean I wasn't even playing I mean Rob played just about every game and 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 you kind of go that was insane Mm. what actually happened I mean first and foremost 
with a man with such a small head could score a header <laughs> from distance away at Spurs I've and got win big, the game. Big body though. Yeah, uh, you've got the littlest head. It's like the one from Biggie Juice. Body. You know the one with the big head. Yeah. Yeah, big body and a small head. <laughs> That's me. Yeah. But I told Ollie to say that in the, in the, in the, in the, at the beginning of the show and he absolutely crapped himself. As if in <laughs> what world I would say that. Absolutely <laughs> terrified. I said if you want at the end, blame I, I reckon if you measure our heads, they'd be pretty close. <laughs> but I just got... Were you at Middlesbrough when the, when the head measurement went on? Were, Were you, you in Riggsy? Riggsy, Mark Viduka. Yeah, yeah. Only one we there. Mark Viduka won yeah. by a couple yeah. of centimetres. Now, how did you measure? Did you, like, the whole no, head into the water, see how much water comes out? Or? There were a couple of measurements they took. And, and was this for an official thing? Or yeah, was nah, it just... A couple of players were messing about. Oh, right, okay. There was Chris Riggett and okay. Mark Viduka. We should do, like, a 3D scan. Surely yeah, you can do that. Yeah, now, these days, of course. You can do it on your mobile phone. There must be an app. You must be able to... Oh, yeah, rate my head. How big's your head? Mind you... Ollie's got a big one, hasn't he? Well, but, but big you one, what? Yeah. <laughs> all I'm saying is I struggle to find a good fitting cowboy hat. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say. I do struggle. So looking back now, um, Rob, do you feel connected to one club in particular? Because Mark always says, and I so don't believe him, that you just want to kind of see any of the teams that you've played for do well. You've got a special spot for them, but you don't kind of feel... That depends on how connect- you left... If you left on yeah. bad circumstances, then you kind of go, well, actually, I don't mind if they lose for a little while, but I still have an affection for them. And, and, and you know, there's a couple of times where I left not in the particularly the great circumstances and I felt that, that the way it was dealt with wasn't great. So you go on for a little while and, and have that little bit of resentment. Mm. I think that's only normal. Um, but overall, yes, you want, I, I do anyway. I, I like to see my old teams do well. Yeah, especially if players are still playing that you play with, yes. you, you sort of want them to do well. But I always looked at it as, as a job, you know, like as an employee, employee mm-hmm. sort of concept. Um, so of, naturally you look out for your ex-clubs, but in terms of a real connection, as you know, I always just thought I was employed to do a job at the time. So I was really sort of black and white sort of answer, but like now I can D- look back and sort Does of that surprise you at all though? Because obviously from a fan's perspective, you think that if, you know, I joke around that if, you know, obviously if I ever got the chance to play for my club, Arsenal, you'd just, you'd, you'd be... Don't give you up your hope. No, you, thank you, buddy. I appreciate that. No, 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 seriously, <laughs> the way they are going, <laughs> <laughs> there's any chance. What Let's position? What position? Wherever you want me, Rob. <laughs> Wherever you want up me. a hole in defence somewhere. <laughs> a little rash. Yeah. <laughs> it's a rash. But you, I always think to myself, because I've, I've just grown up a fan, right, that you think that it would you just forever look back feeling uh, you know, there'd be heart and passion there but do you, do you still feel like it's, it is a, a job as he said right yeah it's professional pride isn't it yeah you can call it passion I suppose can't you let's talk life being retired now for yeah. you Rob from a, from a football standpoint yeah. how does it feel was it something you were scared of I know Mark we've talked about it where you said that for the first what, for what couple of weeks you just didn't really get out of bed like you got no structure you got no regime you couldn't fit in, in, into your suit anymore which was traumatic for you? Um, it wasn't that I couldn't get out of bed. It was more about trying to find that direction. I, I already kind of knew anyway. I was 43 when I retired, so I was relatively ready to retire. So I, I knew that I wanted to go in the, the media sort of route. So that was okay, but it was more about getting out of bed to do exercise and mm. keep yourself in shape. Um, the rest of it was okay. I enjoyed going to games. I enjoyed all that bit. It was more about the one thing that you did so so diligently playing was look after yourself. Yeah. I mean, Rob was the same, right? He used to be in the gym all the time. 
Not that you can tell physically, sure. but he was in the <laughs> but gym. But he was there. Yeah. It's natural. Yeah. Oh, natural. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> natural. So jeans. Uh, jeans. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know what? I think generally his head's not that small. It's just the rest of his body yeah. implodes. Once I, once I stop training, it sort of shrinks back and it all makes sense again. <laughs> I look like a normal person. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it wasn't that difficult trying to get out of bed. It was more about the physical aspect of why do I actually, what, this hurts. What, I'm on training and this hurts. Yeah, you almost rebel against it, don't you? Like, you've been doing it for so long. You go, like, you know, I don't want to do it now. I can't be bothered to go to the gym. That's what sort of my first six months looked like. Really? Yeah, because you've yeah. been doing it and, like, it's almost, it felt nice not to having to do it. Yeah. But like you said, then you look down and you got a bit of a belly and everything. <laughs> keep going to, uh, to my... That T-shirt, you washed that too warm. <laughs> <laughs> and she's no, no, no. I'm just going for the looking T-shirt now. It's the hand wash. But, but, uh, you've, um, <laughs> but you've now gone, you've done a bit of media work. Yeah. So you, you've enjoyed that aspect. Yeah. But you're also going to do, you're doing some studies now? Yeah, I'm doing a sporting directorship just around the corner from here, Salford. Um, yeah, it's going to take two years, a bit of part-time sort of degree. Yeah. Which is completely, obviously, different to what I've got to know over the last, you know, 20 years almost. Which is good. Get, get your brain using. How has that been? Has that been hard? Yeah, the, the, the assessments are hard because you have to write documents and all that stuff, put it all together, make it look nice and tidy, mm. which is um, it's hard work, especially w with no academic background. You know, like you literally get thrown in. Um, but you get all the help, you, you know, if you ask for help, the, the supply. But it's good by the end of it, you got a degree and it sort of backs up what, was, what I'm going to do rather than just sort of playing on my name, as in I played football. You actually got a purpose, and it shows people that you not just want a job because you played for football or for a certain club. It's mm. you actually studied that subject. Is that what you want to go into? Do you want to go into directorship, like, like, uh, what is it? Uh, yeah, background football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that, that's the idea for now. Um, but ideally, is when you sort of work for a club, you figure out it might not be that specific job. It could be something off it, you know, recruitment or performance, or whatever whatever I like. At the moment, I like the whole idea of, of things, but the more I do it, it looks like hard work. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's the problem, isn't it? Because you're yeah. so used to having your own time. You're so used to, yeah. I mean, as a footballer, you, you know, you, whatever, you train and you, you get up at eight o'clock in the morning or 8.30 or whatever, some get up later and you go to training from 10 until, say, midday and some guys can be home by one o'clock. Yeah. And that's your day kind of thing. And the rest is revolves around rest, preparing, mm. getting ready for the, the next session and then the games. So then all of a sudden you go, yeah. wow, do I want to go and work? Yeah. And if you go into football, it's six, seven days a week. Yeah, yeah. and every day. That's mm. right. No holidays. Well, when you are on holidays, your phone is glued to your Yeah, mm. it's a lot of work that you don't see, isn't it? Because as a player, you just come in, go home, like I said, recover. But if you got in a, in a sort of more senior role, you know, it needs planning, scouting, who does what, speaking to the shareholders, speaking to the owners. It's a lot of stuff that... I didn't see as a player, but now I'm getting to sort of see what it, what it takes. But that sounds pretty exciting. So talk, talk to me about the first morning you wake up and you realise, she's I, I don't actually have to do anything. Did you do anything at all? Was it something obscure? Or did you just stay in your undies and yeah, have, have I, red wine? No, I don't actually remember. Um, but it probably sounds pretty close, yeah. Pyjamas, Netflix, maybe a little afternoon sleep. Yeah. But it's, 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 it's only normal you, that you have a time off. I mean, some... Some, you know, we just talked about Mido before. Like, he's really taking the fitness exercise to a new level, isn't he? Yeah. Where, you know, as a player, you might not have, but he's sort of, you know, working out a lot harder than he ever 
kind of doesn't make sense, does it really? I mean, the football, the professional football, yeah. Mido wasn't the most professional. No. I think he took it for granted in a lot of ways. He was a, he was a talented player. Really good. A handful. Technical yeah. ability. And on his day, it could be really, really difficult to play against. But physically, he was mm. struggling with it. And then you see him now, and you just go, wow. Imagine if he'd been like that when he was playing. Did it used to frustrate you guys when you'd see people like that that either had to apply themselves in different areas, whether it be the gym or whatever it might be, that just aren't fulfilling their potential? I think the potential is their potential. I think if, if they haven't got it in between their ears, then that's as far as they can go. But just in terms of Mido, I think he was a bit f- scared of how good he could have been. Like, he's almost like... Because when he was lean for a couple of months at Middlesbrough, he was a proper player. Yeah. And then he sort of, you know, fighting against himself just for a bigger move. It almost felt like, right, I'm going to eat and yeah. sort of don't work out as hard. So... I've got an excuse. It felt like that anyway. Um, I, th- I think he was insecure. I think he yeah. found it difficult. And some players do. Some people do. They, the, the, the pressure of it, like Rob was saying, the pressure of the expectation levels get arising and all of a sudden you've got to deliver that every week and you go on to another level and you can't actually live the life that you're living because you're kind of quite comfortable. Mm. And I think a lot of players suffer that. Interesting. Is what one player that you've come across? Is there a player that sticks out in your mind where you go, he was the most unprofessional player I played with? Uh, yeah, probably, I'd probably say Charlie Adam. Really? Yeah, he, he certainly didn't live a sort of professional life. Because he had ability though, didn't he? He still got it. Yeah, yeah he's, I think he's quality player, quality lad, you know, great to have around. But, you know, when you look at him, you clearly go, could you be another stone lighter? You know, and then his performance would have just gone because yeah, you, you know Liverpool spent big money on him. Yeah, but again, it's just about making the right decisions, isn't it? Because you have to make sacrifices, and some players are just not ready to do it. Whether it be an early bet or eating the right stuff, all that it's important. Whether you like it or not. And one, so one of the players, sorry, one of the players that stands out for me throughout my whole career of all the players I play with, guy called you probably never even heard of him, Molly. Rob, mate, no, Phil Stamp. No. He was at Middlesbrough, a young kid. And honestly, it was the time where Juninho, Ravinelli, Emerson were there. And I'm telling you now, at training, he was as good as they were. And that's saying something, because Juninho at the time yeah. was unbelievable. This kid was brilliant. Right. He, ha- he could do anything on the training field. But the, 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 the medical staff used to have bets amongst themselves every Friday about at what minute <laughs> of the session, once he found out he was in the 11, what minute was he then going to, how long was it going to take until he was going to feign an injury and come off? Wow. And, he, and literally, it happened not every single time. I would say probably seven to eight times out of ten. He would be injured, but then train on Monday. He wasn't fit Saturday, but he'd be training normally on a Monday. So that's what I mean by, do, do you not, I don't know, is it your room at all to actually then approach them and be like, mate, sort yourself. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I feel like, come on, what's going on? You try to... Uh, particularly him because he's a young kid. I think with, with Charlie Adams, yeah. it's a bit difficult because he's, he's more of an experienced player. But with, with uh, Phil Stamp, for me, it was like you tried to talk to him and it was about trying to be professional. He's a local lad. He was 
had a lot of pressure from the local community, the fans. He was the first player that they kind of went on onto when it didn't work out, yeah. even though he was a young player, but because he was a local lad. Um, so I felt for him in that regard as well. So it was difficult for him to deal with. In those days as well, it was you don't get the, the assistance that you kind of do these mm. days. So uh, for Charlie Adams, no excuse. Yeah, <laughs> and the knowledge is out there now, isn't it? Yeah. As well, in terms mm. of nutrition and all that stuff. But some players, you just can't, they're just the way they are, isn't it? Like, why, 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 why are you in the gym at half eight in the morning? Because you loved it. Yeah. Same here. And some players yeah. just looked at you and go, what are you doing? Training doesn't start at half ten. You know, you learn how to deal with, because if you're trying to impose your thought on onto everyone, it's just going to end up one way, isn't it? You just got to have to accept that some train really bad in a week, but then perform on a Saturday. I personally could never do it. I would just have to do it. Halftime drinks here on the two sharp reds. Robbie, are you enjoying this? I mean, how did you pronounce it? Sorry, Mark? Rioja. <laughs> it's a crianza. Crianza. Rioja. And it's a Morano. Oh, you yeah. know what? I'm too busy thinking what sort of player that wine could have been. It's, it's, like it's, it's a common, it's a common worry. <laughs> it's taken too so much I'll space. Come to you. I'll come to you. It's all right. Yeah. It's all right. Ollie will go first, and then the rest of us will just follow up. <laughs> pick, some, pick something similar. Something yeah. else. <laughs> similar player. Now you won't pick a similar player to Ollie. There's no chance in the world. So it blew my mind when when you came in, Rob, that that you and Mark just spoke fluent German because I always thought that he was lying. Like I know, obviously, he's got German background, but he yeah. is proper fluent in German. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose yeah. was that all legitimate? What yeah, he was yeah, saying yeah, to yeah. you in German? Yep. Ever since we know each other, we yeah. spoke German. You can't text in German. <laughs> it takes no, too I long. Can. I can. I just don't with you. I don't know. It's funny because when you meet someone, so it's like when you first meet someone, it's like when you met your wife. You speak to her in English. Yeah. So she can speak a bit of German now. Yeah, she's there. Pretty but, good. Uh, but, but you won't speak to her in German. No, unless we move home. That's right. So I'm the same with my wife. My wife speaks fluent German, but I very rarely speak to her in German because when we first met, we spoke yeah, in yeah. English. So we speak, I know it's kind of kind of contrary to what I'm saying, but we first met, we spoke German. Right. Yeah. And amongst players and that, we still try and we speak German, then we speak English and everything else. And actually sometimes I feel, I find it a bit odd speaking to him in English. It's yeah. a bit weird. Really? Yeah. yeah. It, well, because when we, f 2006, we just met German straight away. Yeah. So the, the initial thought is, well, he speaks German, so yeah. why? So then what about in a locker room environment? Oh, yeah. 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 Honestly? You, 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 you wouldn't do it in front of, like you... You may do it in front of everyone if they're having their own conversations. You wouldn't be doing it if there's a conversation going on no. amongst everyone. Sure. And then just start talking to each other in German. Listen, a lot of foreigners did that. Because is it a bit taboo? Can, you yeah, know, a, little a little bit, bit like... It's, more, it's, just, it's common courtesy. It's disrespectful. Oh, yeah. And I used to say, there was like a player I used to play with at Middlesbrough, Mikkel Beck. He would do it sometimes after a game in a change room. Mm. And he'd actually be complaining to me about someone. And I'd, go to, I'd say to him, yeah. don't say it to me here now. Stop it. I said, yeah. if you want to tell me something, tell me later. Don't tell me now. Or if you're going to say it, say it in English. Yeah, the, the sort of the personal chats we have, yes. we do in German. But any of sort of work-related, training, yeah. game-related, it has to be in English. Let's talk about some of the stuff that you've been able to achieve in terms of world-class, but off the field. Yeah. Your social media presence is the stuff of legends. Thank you. How would you define your connection and relationship with, with Twitter? I probably don't use it as much as... I should or could or have to. Or used to? Or use, well, I never used to do it a lot anyway. No. Um, I think it's a really good way of this, well, used to, maybe not so much now, but as a player, you know, you don't really connect with the fans here, do you? So it's quite sort of, I find it quite easy to be normal and they can relate to me, you know, when I, whatever I write, quite honest, because that's my thoughts. Because um, sometimes with media, it's very sort of, oh, great game, must train harder. Uh, 
thanks for the fans. It's very sort of bland, isn't it? And like, yeah. if I was the sort of supporter and would read that, and no one's ever, he didn't think about that. You know, it doesn't mean anything. Either someone else has written it, or it's just pre, it's pre-scripted. It's yeah, yeah, no and feeling. I'm, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure people have that, um, but I think as a fan or if I'm supporting that person or that club, I want a bit more from it, um, and that's what I was trying to do. So just be a bit more honest. Is yours scripted? <laughs> <laughs> and is that job free? What a great job that'd be! And by the way, if anybody hasn't followed Robert Huth on oh, thank Twitter, you. yeah. you've got don't. to go on there and have a look. So we've jotted down a few. I, yeah. I've gone through. I hope you don't mind. But yeah, oh my god, some serious gold yeah, dust. Good. So we'll start from uh, more more of your recent stuff and, and work your way down. And I'd love you to just explain what you meant and, y- and your thoughts around yeah. that. Uh, but one of them, your most recent, was dear footballers, stop pretending to be injured. Yeah. So I'm guessing there was a moment in a particular game that, that grabbed you. But has this yeah. been something that has really ticked you off team, for a while? Your team, Arsenal, were playing. They were yeah. <laughs> running yeah. around. No, like I just. As a sportsman, you sort of put up the sort of facade, don't you, where like, I'm unbreakable, in the week, show no weakness. And then footballers, they go on the pitch and you can clearly see, you know, they're not hurt. They're not hurt. And it's like, that just winds me up. Like any other sport, tennis, uh, rugby, you know, it's the opposite, completely opposite, which sports should be like, don't show weakness, don't show your opponent any... In, that, in, in football, you just get these... Grown man pretending to be hurt. I mean, I couldn't look my mates in the eye after a game, and and, and they went. Th- the first thing I would do is send me a, cl- uh, a clip of going, "You, you pussy." Do you know really? what I mean? They, they would sort of hammer me for being a bit of a soft lad. Which have you never feigned an injury? Have you never sort of like feigned when someone's hit you or elbowed you or brushed you or shoved you? Not no, not no, no, no. no. I'm pretty confident with that. Yeah. Yeah, even when I was hurt, you know, you just sort of, no, you don't I'm, want to not, show them. I'm not hurt. And I, I, I blame, to a large degree, I blame, and it's probably not right, but I blame the referees. Because, and the, not, not the referees per se, but the FA. They've got VAR now. People dive, people do, you know, punish them and be more severe. And a touch isn't enough, is it? Like no. These guys are six foot four, 15 stones, Four percent body fat. They're in shape, as best as good as they've ever been. And then what? A little brush. You fall over and you pretend to be hurt. I, I agree. And then you, you you watch certain broadcasters and oh, they have the, the right to go down. And you know that just boils my blood. So then, hypothetical situation. Say it's the Champions League final. There's a corner, ball comes in, and and you feel a a bit of a shirt pull. Nothing mm. too crazy, mm. but a bit of shirt pull. And you've got the dis- decision. You've got a split second to decide. Right, I'm going down. Just forget what he's just said. He's going down. I'm holding my face. I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Champions League final. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so, so he's going to be Sergio Ramos. <laughs> oh, that's great. At the very best. Oh, we, which I suppose brings <laughs> us on to the next tweet, where you said, "VAR wouldn't be my friend if I was still playing." Yeah. Explain that would just oh, not work out for you. Just quickly, oh, no, please, Mark. Because you would have been sent off about twenty-five mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not not sent off, just sort of booked and no occasional twenty-five occasional free kick every season. No, because I always sort of try to look at the game differently. So where can I gain an advantage? As in, can I hold someone? Can I block someone? Can I make it a bit more uncomfortable? And obviously with VR now, that would have been picked up straight straight, straight away. Certainly from corner kicks, I would have given away a few few penalties. But thank God. Um, I'm, I'm Do you like VAR? I think the idea is okay, um, but the way it's obviously going is nonsense, isn't it? Absolute nonsense. 
don't know where the game is heading. See, part of it, I, there's, I'm, I'm actually a fan of VAR. So there's parts of it that I really like. I think the offside, the, obviously the goal, goal line technology was in before, but that's obviously a very positive thing. The VAR itself, um, in terms of ruling out goals, where there's fouls, not fouls, something happens in background. In the past, it's like, well done, you've done your job, and you've mm. got a way of it, and therefore you've scored a goal, and off you go. Because everyone does it, that's just the, the way that the rules are. Because we've been doing it for so long, now there are more more controls, more possibilities of being caught out. Mm. It's a period of adjustment. Mm. And I understand that you go, it's ruining the game and everything else, but it's it's a mindset. People will change the way they play. And people will find other ways to, to bend the rules and, and, and avoid getting done by VR. And it's quite exciting for the supporters as well, isn't it? Like, you think you scored. <laughs> like, I know yeah. it's, it's, it's the reverse effect, isn't it? I, I just, just with the referees, it, it, what VR has done really well is just showing how crap the referees are. Because even... A lot of your tweets are directed at the referees. Sorted it out. is not the hardest job in the world. It's yeah. not. You reckon? No. Do you reckon you could do a good job? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I think That's so. That's what you should do. You should actually train. We're well, not allowed, are you? Because you've got the alliance, aren't you? Is it? There you go. With clubs. Oh, so okay. what do you think so crap no, about them? Are they find mean, themselves in the wrong spot? Are they looking elsewhere when certain things happen? I don't think they're getting ex enough exposure to real game time situations. So they're just... Would you referee a non-league football game? Like a, like a local parkside football game? Would I? Yeah. Need to get in shape first, but yeah. No, but like, that'd be cool. <laughs> Robert Hoof refereeing oh, yeah. and you'd be then as assessed by a referee I'm not being too harsh but when I was playing I always thought they were referees are a bit yeah. shit uh, but now it's just confirmed it I mean some of the decisions <laughs> now <laughs> where there was VR. a theory has confirmed, <laughs> but there's some of the decisions you've seen uh, that's just not a yellow or red or foul or anything whatever the decision may be and he goes but you're looking at it uh, oh, don't do enough. I need some background here on this tweet just quite simply I hate Christmas yeah, when was that? Uh, Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> when, what year? Uh, 2014. Yeah, I think I was just on the way to training. And like, obviously Christmas is a big thing here, isn't it? Family came over. Um, Wait, did you say Christmas is a big thing here? Or did you say it is a big thing? Well, it's just a, apparently. You, so apparently it happens every year. You don't uh, think it's a big thing? Yeah. Well... Now that you've got take kids, it, take it, yeah. your kids are at an age where they, they obviously love Christmas. Or have they got the Robin Hood... Yeah. Uh, uh, sort of well, if it was up to the me, wolf. then they the would have done. But my wife sort of fighting against me just to get the spirit out. But now I think I was on the way to training, and uh, everyone was just at my house. You know, I'd do nine o'clock bottle of champagne. Oh, okay, I've got to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by the time I got back, they've been you know half drunk and so, oh, just that. I don't hate Christmas, but I just hate we, it. Hate so it now you love it. You hate it as a football. No, I don't life. love it. No, no, you don't love it. No, I could take or leave it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So if your kid said, "It's a lie." If your kid said, "Dad, Dad, could you dress up as Santa?" Would you do it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? There's a lot of things I don't like doing, but I don't love doing it. So now that you're out of the game uh, as a player, looking at other players on Twitter in particular, or that are slightly younger, I know. Not long ago, Jesse Lingard had some issues when he went away to, to Florida. Is there a, a line of how they, uh, young players now need to be protected or, I suppose, educated with social media, do you think? Or I mean, is it a bit of a free-for-all? It's, it's just another way of sort of creating income for themselves, isn't it? Especially if they've got huge numbers as a follower or following. You know, it's just sponsorship, getting your name out there and, and so on. It's, it's not just... Jesse Lingard, the foot footballer, is Jesse Lingard the brand, isn't it? It's not just, you know, football takes up this time, but, you know, he's, he needs to look 
you know, 10 years down the line, 15 years down the line, and that potentially could could be a source of, 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 of income or just another sort of po possibility of, of, of living. You know, I think this generation coming through now, they will look at the likes of of Ronaldo, of the, the, the big hitters, and go, you know what, it's actually not a bad idea. You know, whilst I'm playing, I'm building up my profile, you know, if it gets to, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 million, whatever, you know, why not, if you're that way inclined? I know you and me probably don't like the idea of it, but that's the reality, isn't it? If we're, you know, you're not just a footballer now, you, you are out there. So before we let you go, Rob, let's talk a little bit uh, about a, any number of, of, of your former clubs. I guess we should start with, with Leicester. They are absolutely flying. Yeah. One, what's more of a surprise to you? The way that you finished uh, with Leicester and the amazing things that you, you were able to achieve as a squad or what they are able to do now? Because it did feel like it could have been a one-hit wonder of a season, but now they find themselves in third place, not far off Champions League, and it's, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, I mean... The, the, the Scots come in or came to an end, isn't it? Like even now, it's only Casper. Wes. Wes, I mean, Wes is not playing, but he's there. He's still there. Bard's Bard's there. Uh, Mark Albright is still involved. You got, I mean, Andy King's still there. I um, mean, in terms of first eleven. First eleven, true, isn't it? Yeah, there's, there's literally. Fuxi maybe comes in. Yeah, Fuxi plays every now and then. You got Casper and Vards. That's pretty much the two, isn't it? And I think, yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. But in terms of when we did win the league, everyone was like, "Oh my God, what are we going to do now?" And then the sort of the first year, eighteen months after, the recruitment was was terrible, wasn't it? Yeah. It really was because we got to a point so quickly that, you know, the plan was to do it in, in ten years, wasn't it? Sort of get to the Champions League, and we've cut that short by by six years almost. So everyone was a bit like, oh my God, we don't know what to do now. And we just didn't buy the right players with the right system for the, for the right manager. Um, but since they sort of got rid of a few players, it seems to have a good structure in place of who they're buying, what age, um, with the manager and the belief that he, he thinks the, the club should move forward. What was, I mean, I, I knew what it was like during the title winning mm. season under Claudio Ranieri. Mm. What was it like the next season? Obviously, uh, a massive high, wasn't it? Um, Champions League. It's strange because th teams generally did work us out the, the day after, you know, the counter-attacking on the break and all that stuff. Um, and we just peaked. You know, you, you get to a generation, don't you? Know, like a, I always think teams have like a three, four-year cycle where they're good, they're getting better, they're getting better, and then they peak and then you need to get rid of them. Harsh, doesn't it? But yeah. majority players need to need to go. You see at Tottenham now. Yes. They had four years, unbelievable. Nearly won a Champions League, nearly won a league. Um, <laughs> but they, they, that generation of players now, they just need to be recycled. And that, that will happen with, with us at Leicester, where the team got promoted, we stayed in the league, we won the league, played in Champions League, and that was the peak. I'm do afraid you, do to you say. Think it was harsh to get rid of Ranieri when they did? No, it's, it's, hey, listen, it's, it's the business. Yeah. You know, only one man goes. Um, a lot of people always say, ah, oh, we want a title. But yeah but we didn't do a good job at the specific time. And that's what you have to assess as a, as a chairman, as a sporting director. Is he doing a good job at this moment in time, minus a month before? And I think we weren't. You know, we were pretty bad. But, um, yeah, the, the investment in the squad at that time wasn't very good because we didn't buy the right players. So from a positive to a negative, uh, another one of your former clubs in Stoke really struggling this year. Is that disappointing to see or is it something that you probably thought was going to happen when they went down to the championship no I d d absolutely not because everyone that you know Gary Rowd came in 
they had a huge budget still from the Premier League and you think, well, let's kick on, let's go buy a couple of good players to get us back in the, in the Premier League and, well, I just didn't. I just, you know, went from bad to worse. Um, got rid of another manager, got uh, Nathan Jones in, he didn't perform and now with Martin O'Neill, you know, it looks like, um, looks like it's gone up again but still a big job ahead. And again, recruitment, you know, it's the same boring stuff but they just didn't prepare for for football. They just for. Oh, I'm <laughs> so sorry to interrupt you here, Rob, but oh, yeah. but Dad over here has yeah. just dropped his spectacles on. He even got his flashlight on. Had to <laughs> like go, Oh, let me. I've just lost my specs. Have you found them now, Mark? I found them. Looking at your notes, is there something you wanted to add on that? Or no, 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 no. I was just I was just thinking about my wine and, and thinking okay. what it was tasting like, and I was just kind of like, a, you know, thinking, okay, we're not too far away. From well, let's signing. let's get on to that then. It's been a fantastic bottle. Now, Rob, would you like to pronounce this wine because it's your turn? Um, what is it? Do you want some glasses, mate? Crianza, Crianza, that's pretty good. Crianza. What what did you make of it? You said at the start that a nice wine, but maybe not something you would normally go for. Yeah. Is, has that changed? Um, I'll have another ball and then uh, <laughs> I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's just it's nice and on the tongue. Quite, like I said, a bit sour, tingy, lasting. Yeah. Have you got any thoughts? Yeah. On a player? Mm. Oh, yes. Wow. Okay, would you like <laughs> me to go first? I'll go first. Hanging around. Yep. Yeah. Busy. Busy. Ooh, okay. <laughs> of, I like it. Yeah. I like it. Well, I'll, I'll kick things off just to get the, the juices flowing. The, the, the issue with me for this wine is it's something that I would go for. It's not good enough, though. It's, it's something that I, I look for in tastes, but it's just not quite, quite working out. And every sip, I'm going, yeah, it's good, but bloody hell, I need you to do more. I need a lot more. And it sparked from the conversation uh, that we've been having about me being an Arsenal fan at the moment. That's Lacazette. <laughs> it, it, he is a, he is a Among good... many, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> he's a good player. It's a good wine. But my golly, I need a whole heap more for, for this to be to become a great wine or a great player. Crianza is normally a decent wine, you know. Like uh, I like it. Rioja, I generally really, really like. I, I don't mind it. Um, it's it's not probably it didn't it didn't quite reach the limits that I expected it to. There's definitely some quality there, um, and probably in a previous life it it did, and maybe a different version of it, different year of it. It's probably right up there. And uh, I, um, I can see that definitely it's got quality there, but there's a lot going on that's too disruptive. Good word. Yeah, so that's a, that's that a little is a good word, isn't so, it? So, so I was bearing that in mind, I'm going I'm to go with uh, Dimitrov Berbatov. You know, he's got that ability, he's got class, he's got... Uh, he, he, in another year, he was phenomenal, but when he came to Fulham... Too much protection from Martin Yole. No one could talk <laughs> about. No one could talk about uh, Dimitrov Berbatov. He couldn't say anything about how he behaved around the place, how he was disrupted, how he didn't in, in, in integrate with the teammates, and how he just basically came late every day to training. He had his own rules, and um, but there's no doubting the guy had ability and quality, absolutely. And it was like, just give me the ball and I'll do the rest. Just the arrogance of it and the disrespectfulness of it. Not for me. Didn't rub off on you. Oh, no. wowee. No. Yeah, oh. Nice. Um, I've gone for Robbie Savage. Oh, Ooh. wow. Hello. Yeah. Annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Disruptive. I'm just going back to what you said earlier Disruptive. On. And Literally, like I you like said. Robbie Savage. I like him, right? Yeah, no, we're Peter talking players, right? Yeah, on the pitch. Of course you are. Of course yeah. you are. Um, and your quote, it's nice, but not quite. 
was good. It's good. It's good. Quite good enough. Yeah. <laughs> there goes another sort yep. of example. So, yeah, never. I've only played against him. So, but obviously made a made a very good career out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah of course, yeah. Being um, disrupted, being annoying. a rush. Yeah. Yeah. Everlasting in your throat, never gets yeah. away. You know yeah. that's sort of did, you, did you ever give him an elbow? <sighs> did you ever give him a body check or uh, a, a, late, a bit of a late challenge or anything like that? You know did you ever what? Catch him. Possibly, but not on purpose. It would no. have been. I pick on bigger guys. <laughs> so, was who was the player that you like? When you think about it now, who was the one player where you thought, "Geez, I'm glad I got him." Is there one? Oh, a- every player. Yeah, yeah. Like any every time I went on a pitch, if I could, I'd be quite happy just to do it. Because if a player, if it's especially if a good player, if he's just a little bit off, because not to injure him, just to get him off his game a little bit. So he doesn't make that run in deep or doesn't come short and get the ball. Just so he starts thinking about other stuff rather than a game. Yeah, so I used to do that pretty standard, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I think I did it to a couple of lads in training, actually. Yeah, uh, that would happen. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Love it, guys. Hey, look, that comes uh, to the end of this uh, episode of the Two Sharp Reds. Mark, Australia's third favourite son. I hope you enjoyed having another friend on board and you weren't picked on this week, which, w- which would have been nice. I was delighted. You know what? This this is groundbreaking. This is our first ever guest yeah. on the Two Sharp Reds, and I think we got away with it. I think we did okay. I think, I think we, we winged it. For the first guest to have the ex shirt pulling, elbowing, body checking, Premier League winning mother effer yeah. in Robert Huth. I hope you enjoyed your time. Yeah, it was very good. Two Sharp Reds. Yeah, it was good. Don't, don't forget pinhead. Dot dot dot. Pinhead. Yes. <laughs> on that note. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> cheers, guys. We'll be uh, back next week with another episode. But until then, cheers. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 